This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to A Sharper Life. I hope that you have been enjoying the podcast thus far, and it has just been incredible to read your comments, your reviews, and to learn which episodes resonate with you. And I just wanted to read out one of the recent reviews on the podcast. So this is from Christina0137. Nikki is a breath of fresh air in this space. She is authentic, inspiring, and honest about what true transformation looks like. Highly recommend this podcast to anyone who is really looking to expand themselves and create a life they love. Thank you, Christina. That means the world. And if you are loving the show, please go rate and subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. This really helps me to know which which podcast episodes you love. And it also helps to get the show out to more people, which is obviously the goal so that we can all heal and feel better in our lives. So jumping into today's episode, we're talking all things romantic relationships. And I personally love this topic because if you're in a fulfilling relationship, your life feels joyful and happy and it feels like things flow with more ease. And if you are in a bad romantic relationship or one that doesn't fulfill you or you're not in one at all and you're stressed about dating, well, it can lead to more negativity in life, which leads to more stress and more emotional eating, all of the things. And sadly, we have not been taught what a beautiful and nourishing relationship really looks like aside from maybe our our parents or Disney movies. And we've also not been taught how to deal with conflict and challenges as they come up. And so, you know, starting with ourselves, that's where all relationships need to begin. But I really want to take today and go over some details of how my fiance and I met and things that we do basically like if we're in a crunchy moment or if something comes up and also how we honor and acknowledge each other. And I'm also going to share some things that you probably haven't read or heard about because I shared the whole story on Instagram, but we're going to go a little bit deeper today. So this is going to be an episode all about things that I personally do in my life, as well as tips for you, take home easy tips to create a soul-filling partnership. And I'm also going to answer some of your questions because I have received a lot of them on Instagram just regarding well, we'll we'll get there. But yeah, a lot of questions regarding romantic relationships. So I want to go into the story of how my fiance and I met. And the short long version of it, or the long short version is that we met online. Now we were both on a dating app and his profile never came up for me. I was also in a time where I wanted to start focusing on myself more. And I had this big realization after going to St. Lucia for a girl's trip and just being like, you know what? My life is good. And I really want to focus on my life and what I bring to the table for myself. I essentially wanted to start dating myself. And so he started watching my content, started following me. And while I was in St. Lucia, he messaged me and he was asking about the travel restrictions because this was during the pandemic. Now, it's not that I was trying to play hard to get by any means. But I respond to everyone on Instagram and he had a private profile. So no photos, same amount of followers and people he was following. 
And I was like, okay, just, you know, another person that I'm responding to. But we started having conversations. His, his like second or third question to me was, what do you look for in a partner or in a romantic partner? And I was like, um, who are you? So he proceeded to tell me all about himself and, you know, this very wordy, lengthy thing on Instagram. And I was like, okay, you know, why do you have no photos? He explained that and just the nature of his business. And, and he's just a very private person, which is ironic that we ended up together because I'm a very public person, or let's say the persona of Nikki Sharp is very public. So the long short of that is we spoke online on Instagram for about two weeks. Then we moved over to WhatsApp and started having these just like delicious, beautiful, long conversations. And one of the key things was we set the quote unquote ground rules in the beginning, the boundaries where he would say, look, you know, during working hours, I'm not going to be able to respond, but I'll respond to you when I get home. And I'm like, great, perfect. I'm someone who likes quality over quantity. So I don't care about the like lots of text messages. I love the deep, long things. And so what he would do, and I found out later is he would actually go to my question and write the question down on a piece of paper so that as he was answering, he could revert back. It was just so much thought that went into it and it it showed in his in his answers to me. And so we started having these just incredibly deep, beautiful, vulnerable conversations talking about values and travels and all of these amazing things. So that led to a phone date and we were on the phone for two hours kind of like high school where you're like, you hang up, you hang up. And then a week later, we decided to do a FaceTime date. Now, this is different than any sort of dating I have ever done because normally you either meet someone online and you meet for a date immediately, or you meet someone in a bar and you've had a few drinks, or you meet someone out and about. So you've already had that physical either connection or that presence. For us, we got to learn about each other in a completely different light and this really was a beautiful thing for me because no one's ever really done that. They either see my name online or they see how I look. And it's, let's just say I've not had the best luck in terms of dating when it comes to when people look at me or they find out, quote unquote, who I am. So anyways, we do this FaceTime date and that went well. And he asked if he could fly down to Miami and take me out. He lived in New York. I lived in Miami during the pandemic. and. I said, sure, I would love to. So he came down and did a really, really beautiful thing where he said, do you want to plan the date because you live in Miami? No, or should I? And I really appreciated that because it was like, oh, he's giving me the option instead of just immediately planning. But it also put me in my feminine where I was like, oh, you please plan it. So he did. We had an amazing, amazing first date. We had an amazing second date. And then our third date went horrible. And I I say this because, and I want to talk about it, because we always put so much expectation that everything needs to be good. It needs to, you know, there's only joyful moments in life. And essentially he came over, I cooked for him. I was exhausted, shouldn't have done that. I'd just been working nonstop and I just was not into it. So he left and both of us were like, all right, well, cool. That's it. And I woke up the next day and I was like, shit, Nikki, what did you do? Are you self-sabotaging? And if you listen to my podcast episode on patterns and things that we do to self-sabotage relationships, I did a few of those. And I was like, oh my God, don't. So I messaged him and we started talking again. And we weren't going to be able to see each other until... So this was around Christmas time, two years, a year and a half ago. And 
we were not going to be able to see each other until January because he was going somewhere for Christmas. I was going to Nevis in the Caribbean or the Bahamas with a client of mine who's done the ultimate transformation. And she's a dear friend now, her family is. And they they had invited me out as a thank you for the changes she saw in the program. And she said, I want to bring you out as a thank you. And I was like, yes, please. Thank you so much. And I had literally put that out to the universe that I didn't want to be here for New Year's. So my fiance messages me and he says, crazy idea, but would you be okay if I came to Nevis and stayed at the Four Seasons? And my response was, as long as you're not coming for me. Well, duh, Nikki, he was coming for you. So he comes and what was really interesting about this is that we played it off to my client and to everyone at the hotel like we met there. And so they all thought that we had this romantic love story and we fell in love and we were going to get married from Nevis. Meanwhile, we'd already gone on a few dates. We already knew each other, but it was fun and playful. And what I loved about this was that it it allowed us both to bring out a fun side and just explore each other without all the pressure and the expectation. Now, at this point, what's really important to note is that I never went into this thinking, oh my God, he's my guy. We're going to get married. We're going to have a long-term relationship. Quite the opposite. I met him and I was like, all right, yeah, he's cute. I mean, great. It could be a little fling during the pandemic where I get to fly up to New York and get out of Miami. So I never put expectation that this needed to be it. I was like, let's just have fun. So then we go to Tulum and we were like during January 1st or January 3rd, something like that. We went there just as a a little trip for me and him because we'd been around my client and other people. And it was during this time that I remember we were flying on the plane and he asked me, you know, you don't have to answer this, but are you in any debt? And I'm like, oh my God, why are you asking me? And I was, I was paying off my Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership, best thing I've ever done. I don't, you know, I'm going to do another podcast on money and finances, but I was like, I can't tell him that I'm $12,000 in debt. Like, no. But I said, yes. And so I share this because it comes to some of the things that have worked really well for us. And it was in that moment that he just hugged me tight and he goes, okay, great. I just wanted to know. And there was no judgment, no shame. And I was vulnerable. So then we go to Tulum and we have all these just beautiful moments and connection. And we actually did a session with Bibi, who, who I've had on the podcast. And from there, I realized, oh my God, I'm in love with this man. And so I said, I love you first. And he said it back to me. And it was one of the most just beautiful heart expansive moments. Now, this is also important because I wasn't waiting for him to make the first move in everything. And we're going to come back to that. So we come back and we're on the plane coming back to Miami. And I realized, oh my God, he's everything that I wrote down in my dream binder. So some of you know the dream binder. And this is a toolbox, let's say, that I teach in the Ultimate Transformation Program. The group program's coming up in September. You can join the wait list now. Anyways, in 2014, I wrote down about 100 qualities in a guy that I wanted. He is every single one of them, but one. And we've grown together. So he's grown into some of the qualities. And I had this aha moment and I was like, oh my God. And it actually scared me. 
It scared me for the success that I might have found and had. And we talk about that in the Spiritual Onion podcast of fear of success is that innermost layer. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So it took everything in me not to sabotage it, not to fuck it up, not to do the avoidant style, which is, you know, my, my default. And so we started talking about all the fears that came up. And this was really important because we'd been so open and vulnerable with each other. But from there, we were able to say, Hey, like, I'm just scared. We're moving really quickly. And this scares me because what if it fails? And then we would have a conversation and be like, okay, well, let's talk through it. What if it fails? Well, I'm still glad I met you. And okay, well, what could this mean? And so we were able to not only reassure, but allow the feelings of fear, of being scared, of sometimes anger, whatever was coming up instead of holding them in and then just projecting them later, as I also talk about in the avocado throwing episode of You Must Feel It to Heal It. So here's the fun part that I didn't share on Instagram. We met... Well, he messaged me November 17th. We met December 19th. And from there, we then... January 29th, we were in New York and we realized we wanted to get married. And that was a holy fuck moment for me because of course, you know, it's like we see Cinderella and all these movies and we see our parents being married and divorced and friends and you've probably been to weddings. And it was the most real, intense, beautiful realization I've ever had just to be like, yes, yes, I want this. There was no fear about it, nothing. So January 29th, we sat with a glass of wine and we wrote our guest list for not that that then summer, but this summer coming up. So this wedding I'm going into in one month. And what's wild about it is we then got in a bubble bath because it was really cold and everyone was doing you know the outdoor dining. And we talked about, okay, South of France or Italy, because he's European. My background is I'm British, Swiss, Swiss, British, Swiss, from Switzerland, British, Irish. And so we were like, and most of our friends are in Europe. Some of mine are in America. And we were like, yeah, I mean, I love France. I live there, but I really just think Italy. So then we got to a point where we were both like, oh, what are we doing? This is terrifying. We're going too fast. And so we made an agreement that said, we are not going to talk about the wedding for one month. So from February 1st until March 1st, it's just, it's not coming up. And here's what's so cute. In that time, without knowing, he had a dream about the ring. And he had a friend who actually he used to work with, moved into the family company of, of the diamond business. So we messaged him and he was like, Hey, this is what I want. We talked about the ring. I'd showed him my Pinterest board and. And I've like written it down in my dream binder, the exact ring that I want many years before meeting him. So he had a dream, contacts his friend and their friend is like, bro, I, I got the diamond. You like, do you want it? And so my fiance was like, oh shit. So he did, but he couldn't tell me. He did end up telling me during that month. But I then at the same time during this month, put together an Excel spreadsheet of all the fun locations in Italy with photos, with links, did all my research. And I love planning. And on March 1st, I was like, Hey, do you know what day it is? And he's like, on Saturday. And I'm like, it's March 1st. He's like, okay. So we ended up talking about the wedding. We then got a wedding planner and we put a deposit on Capri Palace 
for our wedding for the following year, just because of COVID and everything. We did that in March, middle of March. And meanwhile, I hadn't even showed his face, I believe, on Instagram yet. So here we are planning a wedding. We didn't tell anyone, none of my friends, none of his friends, no family. And then we call it the three C's. We were like the car, cat, condo. So we ended up getting the condo because everything worked out. We then got the car the weekend after, my dream car, literally that's in my dream binder. And then we got a cat a few months later. And by the time we got engaged, well, and what's cute is the universe delivered us a beautiful gift. So in Miami, moving in is kind of a crazy thing. And you don't know the exact date you're going to move in. We got the keys to our apartment literally three months to the day from our first date. So December 19th, March 19th is when we got the keys. We were like, what? We got engaged six months to our first date. He called my parents, asked for their hand or my hand and and he met my mom. He'd never met my dad. So that was nerve wracking in of itself. They both said yes. We had a beautiful engagement, as you guys know. And it was really special because through all of this, we've had so many challenges come up. And I'm going to do a whole podcast episode of the path to the altar and the things that nobody tells you because it's not just about planning a wedding. It's so much deeper and all of your shit comes up and all your past trauma and other people's. Anyways, here we are a few weeks out to the wedding. And I'm like mind blown because I went into this relationship with no expectations that this was my quote unquote person. So now what I want to transition to is I want to share things that we've done that have allowed us to have or helped us create a soulfully deep connection. And these are keys and tips that you can take. They're takeaways. So get a pen and paper ready for these. So number one is have deep conversations early on. We did that. The fact that he asked about my debt and then he said, well, let me help pay for a bit more things right now until you're out of debt. Now we split things 50-50 most of the time. And I love it because we were able to talk about our values what we want, all of these things early, early on. So have deep conversations early. Ask them on the first date. And that's actually a question that comes up that I'm going to answer. So number two is stop having expectations. Can you just go into a date and have fun? And I hear people saying, oh my God, I hate online dating. And I hate, it's so overwhelming. That's your mind creating a negative perception of something. Instead, can you look like I looked at it, I'm like, oh my God, what a joyful thing. I'm going to get to travel to New York and I get to show him Miami and how fun. And I don't know how long this is going to last. And even when we said, I love you, I said, I love you. And I'm, I realize I want to marry you. And that terrifies me. But I also have no expectation of anything. If we break up, of course, I'm going to be sad but I'm going to know that God has a purpose and a plan for me. So I'm going to be here present in every moment that we have. So letting go of expectation and just being in the present moment and being like, wow, I'm having fun. I'm going on a date tonight. So number three is making sure that we both had the same values early on. I have a client right now who's been dating a guy for a few years, 10 years actually, I believe. 
And she said during the pandemic, she learned a whole different side of him. And she realized that they'd never really discussed values early on. So now she's in a place of being like, oh my gosh, we don't have the same values. And I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's doing this and that and XYZ. So one of the big things was we learned that each other had written lists of what they want in a partner. So for mine, and let's see if I actually can grab this for you guys. I have about a hundred things on my list. And this is something that we go through in the Ultimate Transformation Program. So, and I just showed it for those of you guys who, who are wondering. I wrote all of these things down and non-negotiables. And I highlighted it, circled. And then I also wrote a manifesto. And I wrote a manifesto in my phone in October 2019. So my dream binder, I wrote that in 2014. I'm going to read you just a few sentences from my manifesto. And I encourage you to do this. Get really clear on your partner that you want. What values do they have? What values do you share? So me and my fiance learned that we have literally the same values across the board. Yes, we have a few things here and there that are a little different, but we learn these on, learn these super early on by asking those deep questions. A red flag to me is if you ask someone, what do they want in a partnership or, you know, how quickly do they want to get married or have kids? What's their vision of family? How do they want to raise kids? If they're not able to answer that, for me personally, that's that's a non-negotiable because I know what I want. And I was willing to, quote unquote, kiss a lot of frogs, not a lot, kiss a few frogs leading up to finding this one because I learned a lesson from each one. But going back to my manifesto, so I'm going to read you just a few sentences. So I just started saying, what do you want? He said, I want a relationship that fills me up. A man who listens to my needs and understands that by filling them, he benefits as well. My love will only grow. A man who is confident in himself, his work, his friends, and with me, who feels that we are a great couple and is proud to show me off. Someone I am proud to show off. A man who is open to working on himself and the struggles we all face. So those are just a few sentences. Highly, highly, highly recommend writing down on a piece of paper. What do you want? What's your manifesto? Keep it somewhere and reread it. If you're going through a breakup, reread your manifesto. Because if your heart is hurting from someone you just ended it with, they're probably not the person that you're trying to call in. So number four, my tip number four, what we do is when either one of us walks into the door, no matter what, I could have been running errands. I could have gone for a run. He could have been at work coming home. We go, baby, and we get up out of the room, out of the chair, and we go hug each other. And that is important because you're acknowledging the other person and that they are important to you. And it's just a quick baby. And then we go back to whatever we're doing or we talk for a minute and then go back. So number five is apologizing. People have a hard time apologizing. I get it. Sometimes I don't want to, but it's not about being right. Even if you think what I did was correct, the apology is an acknowledgement that you hurt the other person. And most likely you didn't do it on purpose. So if I say something that I know hurts him pretty quickly, I'm able to be like, babe, I am, I'm so sorry that I said that. I didn't mean it. I really, I'm sorry. 
And I always put my hand on my heart when I'm doing this. And, and I do it even like subconsciously because it's coming from my heart. So apologizing is key. And number six, a tip that we have is we don't use iMessage. We have different WhatsApp groups on WhatsApp. <laughs> so we have different groups in WhatsApp because you can name them. So we have different chats. So we have the just him and I chat, normal, where we share just everything. We have the gratitude with the heart chat. And that's where we, not near every day, but kind of we go through bouts of it where we say what we're grateful for about the other person that day. Let's say we get in a fight and the next day I will be like, today I am grateful for, and I do like one, two, three, four. And I say, the fact that we were able to overcome that and it makes me realize that we can overcome any challenge. I'm also grateful that I love you so much and I love just laying in bed with you. I'm grateful for X, Y, Z. And then he'll write back. And it makes us both feel really good. And then we have the I love you and dot, dot, dot chat. And that's basically the I love you and I fucking hate you right now. And that's if we can't communicate through a challenge or we're both just like in the ego mind or we just need some space to collect our thoughts and put them on paper. Because sometimes people react better when it's not an attack when you're talking in the moment. It allows you to digest it. So we don't use this to like cuss each other out. We don't do that. But we say, I love you. And this challenge is clearly a a problem. Here's how I'm feeling about it. And we're able to have a more quote unquote adult conversation and really express our vulnerabilities, our needs, all of that. And I'm trying to think if we have like we have a wedding chat. So we have one where we like only talk wedding stuff so I don't bombard him. So I love having these different chats because they help us to change our perspective from one conversation and really make it a point to be present in whatever is going on. So with that, now I want to answer some of your burning questions. And I got so many of them. I'm going to see how many I can get through. So number one is green flags during a first date. And I love this question because we've all heard about red flags and the red flag in he didn't text me back or she didn't do this or you know whatever it is. And the problem with that is that we're only focusing on negative. We're not focusing on the positive. So for me, on our third date with my fiance, I was not focusing on all the green flags. And the green flags, when you think about it, red is stop at a stoplight, green is go. So the green flags are the ones where, you know, universe is waving to you being like, hey, it's okay. This is a potentially good partner. And the red flags are the ones that you should be like, "Uh, I don't know. Let me think about that. But we need to focus on both of them and we don't focus on the green enough. So the qualities of green flags, so the red flags are like non-negotiables in a sense. And the green flags are qualities that indicate that the person will approach a relationship in a healthy manner. So healthy, mature way. And funny enough, we're not taught that sort of thing. So what are some green flags? Listening, deep, empathetic, present listening. That is a green flag, not being distracted, not interrupting. So someone that can talk about their feelings and open up vulnerability, showing empathy. That's another green flag. And compassion, empathy, huge green flag. Engaged in the relationship and they show an interest in you. So they text you back or they ask a question based on something you shared. Willingness to be vulnerable. So if someone's not vulnerable with me, nope, 
you don't make it into even my friend group at that point because I need vulnerability so I can be vulnerable. That's how we create deep connections. They know what they want and they're not wishy-washy. They also have stability and they're easy to be around. And as you think about these, which ones do you have? Are you easy to be around? Are you wish-washy? Are you vulnerable? Right? So it's not just about looking at the other person. It's about looking at ourselves too. And you feel confident around them. So neither person is codependent. So those are some green flags. Great question. And those are just a few. There's a lot more. But just think about those. Which ones do you do? Which ones do you not do? And what are you looking for in a partner? And if you're looking for that, you got to be willing to match that in the spiritual mirror. Do it yourself. So number two, number second question, what to do when the boyfriend makes more than me, but has more debt and is bad with money, so can't afford to go on trips, buy a house, do fun activities that cost money? So this is why writing a list of what's important to you is really important because those are personally some red flags for me. I don't care if someone necessarily is in debt, because, especially if it's a financial smart decision, like going to the Tony Robbins thing. That was like investing in my future. It was like going to college in a sense. So people go into debt for college or university. Now, if someone is making good money and going into debt and then is not willing to do nice things, that personally is a red flag in that they're not going to be good financially long-term. They're not going to be smart. Like let's say you you guys have a baby. And if they're not willing to do fun things, like money is just a projection of the fears or the abundance inside of you. I'm going to repeat that. So money is just a projection of either the fears inside of you, so the scarcity mindset, or the abundance mindset. For me, I know if I spend money, especially on fun trips, and I love spending money on my partner. I love treating him to things. I love spending money on my friends. And I love spending money on myself because I'm my most important relationship. So if someone is not willing to spend... And it doesn't need to be a lot, right? I make more money than some of my friends. Some of my friends make more money than me. But it's a balance that we can still have fun times. So I would just really look at what are your values and what do you want in a partnership? Because I want fun times. I want to be treated. I want to treat the other person. I want to have a family and know that we're financially secure and abundant. So next question, how to be less jealous? Well, first and foremost, get off social media. If you find yourself being jealous, then the easiest thing to do is stop playing the comparison game. And that's what we do when we're on social. So first up, just delete Instagram, delete TikTok. I do this often, even for like a week at a time when I'm going through a stressful period and I know my mind is a little more prone to just like, ah, all the things. So outside of that, you need to work on yourself. Go listen to all of these podcasts. That's what I'm doing them for is to help you. And it's really about coming back to you. As I said, you are your most important relationship. So if you're jealous, it means that if we hold that spiritual mirror up, it means that there's something in you that you don't like. Focus on healing that. And I'm just going to put this out here. I really recommend if you're someone who's jealous or you're looking to find the right partnership or you're looking to learn what your values are, definitely join my Ultimate Transformation Program. I will put it in the show notes. 
just for you to check out. It's a wait list right now. And it's an application-based program. So you can't just sign up. But yeah, I really want to say it's just it's coming back to you and working on... So let's say you get jealous that you know this girl is really pretty. Well, if we turn that spiritual mirror back around at you, it's you saying, I don't feel good at myself. Okay, so let's go further. What do you not feel good in yourself about? Maybe you're like, oh, I don't like my body. Okay, well, what can you do about the body? You can start to eat cleaner. You can start to exercise more. You can start to meditate. You can journal. You can do all of these beautiful things. So jealousy is an opportunity to come back to you. Next question, tips for when times are not so good. You know, we all get there. Me and my fiance by no means have some like idealized Cinderella perfect relationship. Quite the opposite. We go through challenges like everyone else. And when we're in the crunchy... So I call things crunchy, crunchy moments because I don't want to be like, oh, we're fighting. We're not fighting. We're in a crunchy moment. We're both just being like crunchy. And then we, I have another term of prickly where I'm like, I just feel really prickly today. And a prickly might lead to a crunchy. So you're able to kind of take the like seriousness out of it. So that's just step one. Bring light, make fun of. And that term make fun of is not making fun of in a bad way. It is literally making fun, bringing light, joy to something. So my guess is if things are not going well, then you, as the woman, we tend to try to control and we criticize our partner. And for the man, the man shuts down, doesn't make the woman feel acknowledged and seen. So that's where you need to work because also then it goes into the polarity. You as the woman, if things are not going well, typically we go into the wounded feminine, right? That little like doe that needs everyone to take care of them, that victim mentality, or we go into overdrive of the masculine, which then pushes our mate away. So if things are not good, it's an opportunity to come back to you to figure out where you're trying to control people or where you're not showing up with the love for yourself. I know if my partner and I are not good, it is truly an opportunity for me to start meditating more, for me to journal more and figure out like where am I contributing to the, the crunchy or the fight or the ugliness. It is not about projecting your shit onto the other person and blaming them. It's not. We think that relationships, everyone else needs to be perfect. Everyone else needs to do what we think they need to do. No, own your shit, take responsibility, and start showing up as best you can by apologizing, by becoming more soft and feminine, potentially, by learning your attachment style, by realizing maybe I'm trying to control the person. Okay, where can I let go of that? And again, if that's you, join the ultimate transformation. So, next one is dating several people. At a time, a good okay. So I got a few questions and I kind of put them all together. Is dating several people at a time a good idea? Second question was, how did you two meet? I already told you guys. Online dating is tough and emotionally draining. And third question was, how to find a match on dating sites? So all of these kind of combine together because, especially the second one, online dating is tough and emotionally draining. I'm going to call BS on that. It means that you don't know your values, so you're trying to match with every person. And you're not having trust that the right people are going to come in your vicinity. So I am picky. I know my self-worth. I'm not just going to go on a date with anybody, Joe Schmo. You have to be pretty effing special to make it into my world. That's because I have such a high standard for my life. And I know I'm a good human. 
I love what I do. I have amazing friends and I'm kind, compassionate. I'm deeply loving. I'm loyal. So all of these things, if you can't match me, we're not even going to have a conversation. And so how do you meet someone online? Well, first, you know your values. Second, have deep conversations quickly. It works both ways that you can either meet someone up front. I personally find it nice to have a conversation for a week online and see how that person reacts. And are you trying to play games? Are you being like, oh, well, it took them you know, a day to respond. I'm not going to respond for a day now. Quit playing the games. My fiance and I didn't play any games, but we set boundaries to say, hey, I'm busy. I'm not going to be able to respond. Or like, hey, I'm going out with friends for the night. Or like, I have friends in town for the weekend. I'm probably not going to be as responsive. So you have to own your own shit in this. Because especially women, we get so angry when someone ghosts us or when they don't write back. And then we play these games. I'm going to ask you, are you showing up as your true authentic self if you're playing games? The answer is no. And if you're playing games and you're not showing up as your true authentic self, it means that the relationship is going to be forged with a mask on. And the moment you take the mask off, the other person's going to be like, whoa, 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 who's who's this? I don't know this person. So always showing up as your true authentic self, having your boundaries, saying them with love. And if someone is, if you share your boundaries and say, hey, I work a lot. I'm not going to be able to respond. I can't just meet up at a whim. I would love to go. And like the other thing, ladies, stop expecting men to plan every single date. You are allowed to be like, hey, do you want to go grab a coffee You know, Saturday afternoon? Stop making it about this big thing. Oh, like As I told you, me and my fiance spoke for three weeks online and then we had a phone date. That was really, really nice. So that's my answer for that. And is dating several people at a time a good idea? I guess it depends on what your definition of dating is. If you're emotionally invested in three different people, I'm going to say personally, no. Because when you're investing in, you know, person A and person B and person C, you're going to start comparing all of them together. And if person A doesn't act the way you want, you're like, well, I still got person B. And I call it the swipe right syndrome in that we're always looking for perfection. Relationships take work. How are you showing up in the relationship? For me, I would rather have fewer friends, but have quality friendships. I would rather talk to one guy and give everything I can. And that's that's what we did. So there was another question, which was, when do you have the conversation about getting off dating apps? So let's say you meet someone, things are going well. You have it as soon as you feel like having it. There's no rules. Everyone thinks that there's rules on dating. Quite the opposite. If you really feel drawn to this person and you're like, I really like them, and you feel the same from them, and you've had these conversations of like values and what are you looking for in a partnership? Well, then just be honest and say, hey, you know, I just wanted to see when do you think it would be a good idea for us, us both to say no more dating apps? Like, are we on the same page here? Let me just, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What a simple thing to say. So my answer is if you're just like going on dates with different people, fine. But if you're dating emotionally invested in multiple people, I don't think so. I think choose the person that you like the most. And as I've talked about it before, 
is it a fuck yes or a fuck no? Like my fiance, every single day, I am reminded how much I love this person. And every single day I choose him over and over. He is a fuck yes every day to me. So if the person is not a fuck yes, then let them go and let them find happiness with someone else. All right. So a guide for communication, expressing your own needs and still meeting his. Love this question. So, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on this, but it's really... I mean, I kind of am, but I could do a whole other one. I'm kind of sharing a lot about this, but expressing your needs is being vulnerable and being open and being okay if you say something and the other person doesn't agree. Like, I know a lot of couples that broke up during the pandemic because they realized they had very different views about things. That sort of thing and politics and things of that nature should have been talked about way before. So vulnerability is key. And if your partner isn't willing to be vulnerable, then for me, eh, sorry, cut. Expressing your own needs, it's really being okay that the other person might have a differing opinion, but saying it with love too. You know, to say, like for me, there's nights where I want to sleep alone. And I say, babe, do you mind sleeping in another room today? Or I'll go sleep in another room. It's not because I don't love him. I'm like, I just need Nikki time. And sometimes he gets up really early for work. And I'm like, "Eh, Monday, can you can you go sleep in the other room? I just I don't feel like being woken up this morning. It's like, cool, great. So someone's truth might hurt temporarily, but if they're speaking vulnerably and with setting a boundary, boundaries are sexy, then that's how you do that. That's your guide for communication. And and it's also saying, I, I feel this way. Not you did this. You pissed me off. You made me feel angry. I felt angry when this was said. Take ownership of you. Twin flame love. Is it true or a myth? Oh my God. I think totally true. My ex who I dated on and off for six years, total twin flame. So the twin flame is the shortest version I can do on this. Man, we're going long on this podcast today. I hope you guys are enjoying it. <laughs> so the the twin flame, getting back to that, is the person who it's like, I love you, but I hate you. I can't live with you. I can't live without you. And they are your greatest teacher in life. My ex, who is my twin flame, helped me become the woman that I am today. And fuck, do I love who I am. That doesn't mean I you know, don't run into challenges, but it meant that when I met my fiance, I was a more complete version of myself. I felt full myself. So I wasn't looking for anyone to fill me. With my ex, who was the twin flame, I always felt like I needed him to you know, be in my life to complete me. So it's the, I love you, but I hate you. Can't live with you. Can't live without you. You guys like just constantly fight, but you you also feel like you you don't know what to do without them. So definitely, I think truth. How to cut ties with an ex. So shift focus back to you. This is making yourself more confident through proper nutrition, exercising, meditation, reconnecting with friends, not talking shit, not gossiping. Like the worst thing you can do when you're getting over a relationship is to, if you're hurt or like, let's say you see that they started dating someone new is to go to your friends and be like, oh my God, da da da, he did this. She, he's with her and oh, I don't like her. That's giving your energy away. Bring your energy back to you, my love, and focus on your life. And what do you want? Do my ultimate transformation program, for example. And another thing that I did with my ex, my twin flame, 
was I changed his name in my phone to teacher with the butterfly emoji. Because then I was able, anytime I you know had the urge to text or if we did text for anything, I realized that, oh, actually, he's been my guide. He's my teacher to get me to a place that I am meant to get to. Asking for help from friends, truly being like, I am really heartbroken and I want to text my ex. And if I tell you that, can you just hold me accountable and make sure that I don't, can you be a supportive ear for me? Can you show up with love? Asking people for help is the greatest gift, takes vulnerability as we've talked about. And start getting clear on what you do want. Again, writing down in you know the dream binder or your manifesto of if you're ex, if you guys are exes, there's a reason that you are. And instead of looking back, look forward of all the things you're wanting. So, okay, I'm going to go through one more question here just so this is not too, too long. Well, okay, so I got a few questions on this. I kind of put them together. Initial stages of dating. How do you know he is right for you and how to find out if he's interested in you? Well, I hope if you're already in the initial stages, you know. And deciding which guy is right. So seeing a few people at once. So that came up. Again, it's having deep conversations and it's being open and being vulnerable and getting really clear with the other person on what do they want. Like my fiance and I, in our first few times talking online, we both learned that we love travel. It's non-negotiable. We both learned that we want families pretty soon. We both learned that we're not interested in dating for four years before we get engaged. So people thought that we got engaged quick. And I'm like, why was that quick? I know all the values of this person. We talked about every single possible topic under the sun, debt, money. How do you want to save? What would you invest in? Where do you want to live? You know, How are our parents going to be involved when we have kids? We talked about that before we got engaged. So having deep conversations with someone is the key in the beginning. And so, okay, last one, long-term relationship, how to be sexier, not good at it. Kind of already answered that in come back to you. What are the things that you need to do to make yourself feel confident, proper nutrition, uh, exercising? I keep repeating these over and over because they make us feel good. Dressing nicely, wearing sexy lingerie for you, wearing more makeup. Like so many women during the pandemic got into the habit of wearing sweats and no makeup. And I get it. It was fun for like a month. But then what happens is you get into the routine, the habit of it, and you're like, ah, you know, screw it. I'm home alone anyways. For me, I get dressed up every single day, whether I see people or not, whether I have a client or not, because it makes me feel good. And if I feel good, I show up with more confidence. And if I show up with more confidence, I'm probably going to be a little sexier Go give my fiance a little kiss. And I've given a lot of other tips of like the baby when you walk in the door, things like that. So this is a little bit of a longer episode. I hope that you guys loved it. I gave lots and lots of tips. So hope you guys had pen and paper. Hope you enjoyed the story of my fiance and I because we get married in just a few weeks and I'm like mind blown. It's insane because I just can't believe it. It was never the goal, but here we are. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, a family member, someone who's going through a breakup and subscribe if you haven't each week, every Sunday for Sharper Sundays that come out with a new episode so that you can start your week right feeling inspired and motivated with actionable tips. And if you haven't left a review, please do so. They help so much. And thank you for being here with me. As you can tell, I'm super passionate about this topic. And until next week, here is to a sharper life.